Good morning and welcome to worship. I invite you to stand if you would like to. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. I thank you for the sun that's shining. And uh, God, just for giving us a day that we can enjoy in you. I pray that you would be with us here. Uh, God, that we would show your presence. Um, God, that as we worship you, Lord, that we would be able to focus on you, how good you are to us and, and all that you're doing. God, uh, be with us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just receive it. 
13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to do a new song this morning um, called Oh Praise the Name. You might have heard it before. It's a great song with some great lyrics. So if you don't know it, just take these lyrics in this morning. Oh, pray. 
souls of all who come 
today to supply and fill in for you today. Uh, my name is Brian Cook and uh, Ray called me to come supply and fill in for you and I appreciate that Ray. Uh, God bless you and uh, you know I, I'm really honored to be here and I, re- I appreciate it. Um, also it's good to, to meet Mr. Tony. I guess he knows my dad really well. Tony Tony knows uh, Russell, my dad. They're back buddies from a while back so that's good too. And then uh also, George is nice to meet George, and then Jesse, and uh, I really enjoy that music. Y'all did a fabulous job. Praise God, that's beautiful. You did really, really, really well. I was impressed. Uh, oddly enough, you probably don't remember this. I barely remember it myself. But like uh, approximately twenty years ago, I was up here supplying for you guys about twenty years back. But I was younger, right? Twenty-seven years old. I would be a little different. I'm forty-seven now. So, I want to throw that out there. It's kind of funny, but uh, now I pastored for 14 years down at Hopewell Baptist in Bethel, not too far from here, and uh, from 03 to about 17. And then I've been members at Emmanuel Baptist in Shawnee for the last six years. So you guys probably know where some of those places are. So that's that's uh, been a while. Also, I worked at Walker's for a few years. So Walker Funeral Homes, I've been out here four or five times with them. So, but I don't. I'm not doing that now. Now I'm just like. Supply preaching. I go to Emmanuel Baptist Church and uh, got my teaching degree to teach in high school if needed or whatever. And um, I've been teaching at Alt Ed School at Shawnee High School for the last year. It's my first year, so that's been interesting. It's been good, really good. I uh, learned a lot. Um, a few weeks ago, though, the tornado blew away the building. So, <laughs> so things change. <laughs> Life changes, right? But God's always with us. <laughs> That's that's right now. About a year ago, my wife of 16 years, she passed away in January. Lisa, she was a wonderful person, a great school teacher, a good wife, everything. I'm really grateful for her. But uh, then I have my son here, Zachary. He's 13 in sixth grade, and we're happy to have him. 
And then where I'm, I'm seeing someone new now, she's been dating for about three months and been going out with her. She's a nice Christian lady. She lives up in the city. She's at her church today doing her thing. So uh, let's open our Bibles today to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I was thinking about this event of the last few weeks, uh, all these uh, storms and tornadoes and everything going on and God God uh, allowing and causing things and how He's always with us through trials, right? <clears throat> and through our joys as well. And I think of it in terms of uh, kind of like if you're going to take a test in school, which I took a lot of tests, obviously, you know, bachelor's, master's, doctorate, and I'm a teacher now again. It's like you never get out, but you take all these tests. Well, sometimes you get in this mode of saying, well, I'm going to take this test. So I'm not going to study for it. I'm just going to go ahead and live my life, enjoy my week, and do my thing, and God, God will get me through that, right? <laughs> I, I don't know if it works that way, does it? <laughs> Especially, I know a lot of you ladies know what I'm talking about. You have private kids or your teachers. or If you're a teacher, raise your hand. Any teachers in here? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, People take, take things the last minute, but it doesn't quite work that way. That's the way it is, too, in our spiritual walk. I think I think that sometimes we just assume God's going to change our life. We're going to be a good Christian. We're going to be uh, walking with God. We're going to be a holy person. We're going to be pure with God. We're going to uh, know the Word. We're going to live a Christian life. But we don't have to do anything about learning it. We don't have to really be in the Word. We don't have to be with God's people. We don't have to be committed to stewardship. We don't have to be committed to prayer. If you don't pray, if you're not in your Word, if you're not with God's people, I don't think you're going to grow spiritually, right? It's not automatic. It's not, it's not an automatic thing. But God is always with us. So today I want to present a, a message entitled, And One. It says, it's two words, And One. And God is with me through the storms. You can see on the worksheet there if you want to follow along. And I hope this encourages you. I'm here today just to encourage you. Uh, from what I understand, you know, your uh, previous pastor left and everything. You had some people fill in. That's that's wonderful. Um uh, I want to, uh, I'm sorry they left. I'm sorry about that, but it's good that, that God is still working with you and is healing you because that's a tough time. It's a really tough time for a church. There's a lot of things that we go through in life, and so I feel like I feel like God kind of prepared me for this and laid this on my heart, you know, all the things I just told you, right? I mean, I lost my wife. I mean, a tornado blew away my school. I mean, I'm here today. I mean, this is kind of where God's got me right now to share this with you. So. We learned something from Elijah in the Bible about God always with us and one. He's always with us, even through the storms of life. And one is, is a phrase uh, that basketball players have used on the streets in both urban and rural areas as well. When they're playing against each other and they'll go one will go one on one or two on two or whatever, and they'll play basketball three on three. And they'll make another shot. And sometimes they say, oh, and one. I got and one on you. You know, it's just a little a dig, right, at the other side. And then they go back, the other team plays, and they'll shoot. They go, boom, and one. I got one on you. You know, kind of back and forth. Well, this um, company that started back in 1993 in Philadelphia is called the And One Company. And you can go to Walmart now, and you can find socks and shoes and shorts and t-shirts and everything called and one right it's coming out of this uh company in philadelphia it's a it's a based off of a basketball and a competition <clears throat> so 
some of the other trash talk that they used against the opposite teams were like, pass, save yourself the embarrassment, you know, things like that. So this idea of and one, I want us to think about anytime we're going through something good or bad in our lives, that God is always there. He's the and one. He's the and one. Whether, whether you lost a loved one, whether you lost a job, uh, whether a tornado blew away your school, whatever it is, God's always there. He's and one. He's with you. And that's encouraging. Whether, whether you uh, are summa cum laude from a college, whether you have you know, six figures or nine figures in the bank or whatever it is, God's there. He's and one. That's, that's not you. That's God. Like, we're, we're part of that, but God, God is the one that gives and takes away. So I want us to think about this. Have you ever been through a loss lately? God is there. Have you ever felt excited or proud of an accomplishment? God is there. Have you been through a lonely time in your life? God is there. And Elijah knew this all too well. Let's look in 1 Kings chapter 19. As we look in 1 Kings chapter 19, let's read this together in verse 9. I'm going to read 9 through 18. Okay? Verses 9 through 18. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 to 18. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in the place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king of Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Abel, Maholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. He, it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now, before we go into explanation of this passage, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 11 in the New Testament. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. We'll just look at 1 through 6. It says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, 
how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But it is of works. It is no longer, if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So, in the Old Testament passage, we see God's Spirit speaking to us in, through the prophet. And, and Elijah tells us, or God tells us through Elijah's story, that there were foreign gods that they were competing against. And that Yahweh, the one true God, Jehovah Yahweh, <clears throat> was to be honored and worshipped. And God's law specifically told Israel to be different. It told Israel to be unique and, and follow Yahweh, the one true God. And not to go after false gods. This is like one of the first commandments, right? That you have no other gods before me. And then it actually explains it multiple times in the law, not to have other gods before, before uh, Yahweh. So the history of Israel shows that, in fact, this is what happens. Israel momentarily follows God and they worship him. And then they are tempted and drawn away by a false god, whether it's the Ashtaraz, the, the Baals, whatever they are, they, they follow the false gods. And when, it, when the false gods come into their community, then they begin compromising not only their worship, but also their morals and their lives. So Israel gets in this cycle, and they, they fall away from God, and he says, I'm going to bring punishment on you, and he does. And then... Many of them return back to God throughout the history of Israel, and they're going to worship God and have a revival. And then it's not too long later before they're back into worshiping false gods again, and God's going to bring punishment on them again. And this could be like a, a eight-year cycle, a ten-year cycle, a seventy-year cycle. You see it in the Old Testament, the seventy years. This could be a four hundred-year cycle. There's different time periods for it in the Old Testament, right? So uh, at certain points, they've worshipped false gods and the entire generation is under that um, negative part of the cycle and they die off and the next group comes in and they worship the one true God. But some of them continue on. So you see like the Assyrian exile, the Babylonian exile, so on and so forth. But um, during, during the first king stories, um, Elijah is discouraged. He's despondent. You might even say he's like depressed because he's tried to go and stand for God's word and stand for the one true worship of Yahweh, but then uh, he is persecuted for it. He's he's chased away, and these gods in the Old Testament, um, King Ahab was a wicked king. As as these kings give us lists of all the kings of the Old Testament, he was a wicked king, and Jezebel was his queen, and they worshipped. Baal, the Baal is, is kind of like the bull god. If you think of the image of a bull, this is, this is the image that they used. And there's actually like one major Baal, but there's also lots of Baals that the prophets of Baal would, would worship. But the one major Baal, and he was like the god of the storm, the god of the rain, the god of fertility, um, the god that they, they prayed to constantly wanting for his uh, help and provision, right? 
So they followed Baal. They, they chose to follow Baal. Ahab and Jezebel promoted Baal to the people. So in the previous uh, chapters, Elijah uh, says, okay, Jezebel, okay, Ahab, let's have a competition. Then let's set up our altars. I'll set up an altar to Jehovah, the one true God, and you set up your altars to Baal, and we'll see whose God is going to win in this, this sacrifice, right? So Elijah makes his altar, and he places his uh, bull on the altar, and he tells him to get four pitchers of water and come dump it all over the altar. And then he says, okay, thank you. Go get four more pitchers of water and dump that all over my altar. Just all the stones, all the wood, and the sacrifice. And they brought all that. It's soaking wet. Over here, they have an altar to Baal. And they want Baal to, to uh, cause a fire to burn their, their sacrifice to him. And then uh, Elijah says, okay, prophets, go get four more pitchers of water. And dump it on there. They're like, what? I've already dumped eight pitchers of water on here. All this, it's soaking wet. Okay, we'll do it. And they go get more water to dump it on. By this time, it is like flooding, soaking wet. It cannot be dried out for days and days. It's just flooding, piled up with water. And over here, theirs is dry. And then Elijah says, okay, now you pray to your God, Baal, and see if he'll come and burn this altar, right? So they begin praying to Baal. Oh, great Baal, come down and take this. Show that you're the true God. Show Elijah that you're the one true God. Uh, and you are you are the provider. You're the God of the weather, the storm, the fertility. You're the great God. And Elijah stands out to the side and says, where's your God? And he's kind of taunts him. He says, is he busy? And they're like, oh. So he kind of gets a little verbal jab with them. And they said, no. Ah, he's not helping. So for hours and hours throughout the morning, they wait for their God to come down and burn this altar. He doesn't do it. So Elijah said, well, maybe he's gone on a vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's walked away. Maybe he's not around. Where's your great Baal, your God? And they said, ah, what are we going to do? And one of the things they did is they, they're really strange. They started getting like knives and rocks. And they started cutting themselves and beating themselves and trying to hurt themselves, like slashing themselves with sticks. And they're, they're bleeding over there. And they're like yelling for Baal in the middle of the afternoon. And he still doesn't come down. So Elijah's just waiting over here. And finally, Elijah prays to God. He says, listen and see the one true God. And he asks Yahweh to come down and show himself to all these people, these thousands of people, who the one true God is. And, and Yahweh rains down a ball of fire that comes down so hot it just burns the entire sacrifice and licks it up to the ground. It's like burnt all away. So it, everybody's so shocked, right? And all the prophets of Baal, uh, they're like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So they kind of run around in circles and they go off. And then um, he tells the other people to go find the leaders of these Baal prophets and kill them. So that's what happens. They go off and kill the leaders, of the, the, uh, the Baal prophets. So... This was something that is unique in salvation history. Like, we don't have these kind of things today. But, but this is what happened. And But God still is in control, and he still rules over everything, and he, he cares for us. So I want, I want us to see that uh, this made them very upset, obviously. So Jezebel and Ahab, uh, they wanted to worship Baal, so they sent some of their people to go chase down Elijah. They've already killed a lot of God's prophets. They're already dead. So they're going to chase Elijah and have him killed as well. 
So Jezebel was a wicked queen, and that scared Elijah because they had all kinds of um, armies, military people or whatever, assassins chasing him. So he ran off to the woods, and he was scared, and duly so, right? So he goes to the woods, and he's very distraught because, um, you know, God takes care of him uh, after this, and he goes, and he he hides in the woods, and it says he walks away, and he... he, uh, is despondent, but he walks way off into the woods in this this cave. So one of the things of the signs of God's presence on your paper, you can say, sometimes God causes or allows a great and strong wind, but he was not in the wind. Notice this in our verse, verse 11. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Imagine that. I mean, he's, he's standing there and he, he knows God's near, but the mountain shakes, the wind blows strongly, but the Lord is not in the wind. We know about wind in Oklahoma. <laughs> we know about that here. 1999, May 3rd, Moore, Oklahoma, tore a mile-wide tornado through there. Uh, May 22, 2011, Joplin. We saw that up in Joplin, F5 tornado. And then April 19, 2023 in Shawnee, we had a tornado. Uh, August 2005 in New Orleans, we know about the hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. There's all kinds of storms around. We're very familiar with wind in this area. So when we see this as as God's presence in this verse, uh, you can say that it was, in this particular case, God was there in the wind. Uh, I also think that you know sometimes God has, allows things to happen just through the systems of nature that he created. He made the systems of nature, and they happen, but he's always ultimately in charge of them. So we also know in the New Testament, it says, you know, God is not the author of evil, so that he he doesn't cause evil, but yet also uh, he allows bad things to happen in the world. So as we look at this first point, we see that a great and strong wind came, but God was not in the wind. Uh, you think about it personally in your own life. We see these storms even these last few weeks, but we can look to God, even though He's, you know, He may not be in the wind, but He is still available to us. Now, I also want to say that this is an opportunity for you to respond to God and to Jesus Christ because, you know, you don't automatically have the peace of God in your heart if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Because. People are so attached. Uh, I get a little hobby horse here, but people get so attached to their things, right? Oh, my car, my truck, my house, my barn, uh, my business, my school, my career. It's nice to have all those, but I think I feel like people get really attached, and they're like freaking out. And I get kind of upset too, but I don't want—I don't want to say I freak out. But like people go crazy. They. They, get, they drive like maniacs and they're going around. There's like the day after the tornado hit and my separate uh, garage building at my house was halfway blown away and limbs everywhere. Or half our shingles are off our roof. But anyway, the next day, there was literally like 300 contractors driving around all over the, the streets everywhere and people going by with videos and stuff. And, and I can understand, trust me, that, that's a human reaction because... Look at all this damage. Look how horrible this is, right? But I also feel like people get so attached. Like, that's why I kind of liked the old school. I tell my high school kids, the old timers, 
They, the old timers understand that this stuff happens, right? They're like, well, it's bad, but we'll get through it. It's amazing, right? You talk to some of these people, they know. They've been around 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever you want to say it, old timer 90, 100, 110, <laughs> whatever it is. That's, it's not that old. But, uh, but anyway, what I'm saying is they've seen a lot. They've been around a long time. And the point is that sometimes um, we need to take the wisdom from our elders and not be so attached to things. But we think about this whole idea of God's causing this wind and this this uh, storm, but he was not in the wind. And so this passage is very popular. It's been an encouragement to Christians for 2,000 years. Okay, this is not like new, like I didn't just come up with this. This is this is actually God's word, and it's been here for 2,000 years. And so we see that uh, God was God caused this wind, this great wind that tore the mountains and rocks. He's not in it. Now, we also think about the idea of a theodicy. I think your note says like a theodicy. So it's the vindication of divine goodness and providence in view of the existence of evil. If you want to write that in that line, it's the vindication of divine goodness. So in natural theology or philosophy, they discuss the triangle. It's like the problem of evil. So where it says theodicy on your second page, we put the vindication of divine goodness and providence of evil. of evil. Um, they discuss natural theology or philosophy with a triangle. You can draw a triangle there. And on one part of the triangle, you can put God's omnipotence, like he's all-powerful. And on the other point of the triangle, you can put God's omnibenevolence, omnibenevolence, like he's all-good, because God is all-powerful and all-good. And on the third part of the triangle, you can put his omniscience, or you can put the existence of evil. So where it says the vindication of divine goodness and providence, off to the side if you'd like to draw a triangle right there. A theodicy has to explain this triangle, okay? The triangle is if God is all-powerful and evil exists, then how can he be all good? Because he's allowing bad things to happen in the world, right? If God is all good, how can he be all-powerful if all these evil things are happening in the world, right? So... This is like an age-old debate in philosophy and theology. So how can he be so good if if these things are happening? People get sick. People die. Um, Infants die. You know, I'm sorry if this has happened, but like miscarriages, stillbirths, like these horrible things that people don't give a chance to to live out of the the womb, you know. They're born as as a dead body. And it's really sad to me. Like, for me, um, I'm also sad when a senior citizen dies. That makes me sad. But also you are happy because they're with God and they've lived like their whole life. And that's why I feel, I don't know. But I feel, I feel like joyful because um, they're 90 years old, but they've lived a long, fruitful life. You know, and, and you're grateful. You see all the things they got to experience, right? But then I see like this other um, problem in the world of these stillbirths, these miscarriages and things like that. And I feel more grief, I don't know why. I just feel like they never had a chance. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they're just brand new. But then um you know, for me from the Bible, what God tells us, I'm I'm grateful that um abortion has been banned in most of America because abortion abortion is um taking of a human life. And you know, I, I don't know what your opinion is on that or your view. And I understand there are exceptions and there are a lot of problems in the world. It's it's a complicated issue. But I'm just I'm just grateful that we have a more of a culture of life now. Like 
the Pope used to say we were in a culture of death. Pope John. Pope John said this was a culture of death in America. And he called that straight on. Uh, but now, perhaps we're becoming more of a culture of life. I hope so, to be a culture of life. Uh, but we have the problem of evil. And if, if evil exists, then how can God be all-powerful and all-good? So, let's go on to the next one. Um, throughout the Old Testament, you see all kinds of storms that they go through. But also, I want to think about Matthew 8 and the storm that uh, arose on the sea. And Jesus calmed the storm on the sea in Matthew 8. But let's go on to number two. Oh, time is going by. We could be here for hours. I won't do that. Number two, other times he brings an earthquake. Verse 11, he brings an earthquake. It says, the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. To me, that's amazing. Like, obviously, we're familiar with earthquakes here too. You know, Craig, Payton, um, Lincoln County, Pottawatomie County. Um, more so, I think, in Lincoln County, but there's different places. But around the world, think about the one in Turkey. Think about the one uh, in California. Think about earthquakes around the world that people experience. These things, to me, uh, they, they may be caused by God or allowed by God, but they're always intended to point us to God. Does that make sense? They may be caused by God or allowed by God, but they're always intended to point us to Him. That we have to make that choice and that response of what we're going to do when these things happen. And one, God is always with us. He's always with us through these things. Okay, you notice he's not in the earthquake. Next in verse 12. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So number three, he might cause a fire, but he was not in the fire. Back in 2018, there was a large fire in California, the, the great campfire of Paradise and Megalia. And, and the fires started in the, in the woods in California in 2018, and they burned, and they raged, and they skipped, and they moved, and large trees fell, and people, people's homes were destroyed in California. And there's, there's one place that uh, was, was kind of a, a refuge or a rescue, and that's Megalia Baptist Church, a place where a friend of mine uh, that I just met is, is serving. And he's been there a long time, but he, he's the pastor there and he's uh, helped rescue people during this fire in California. And you can read about it on the Baptist Press if you want to look more. It tells about the great fire of Paradise, California in 2018. Baptist Press, go look it up. Uh, but it's amazing how they rescued people from their houses, whether they're permanent houses or mobile homes or and all their pets and their animals and everything. And, Many people were rescued and saved uh, through this horrible event. So fires happen. They happen here too, where we live. And fires can skip, they can burn, they can do all kinds of uh, bad things. So number four, even though he might cause a fire, he was not in the fire. Number four, he speaks in a low whisper or a still small voice. If you have number four on your page there, he speaks in a still small voice in this passage. We look at the last part of this, it says, uh, God, the Lord, was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice or a whisper. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. So God spoke to him there and encouraged him. And he conversed with him and said, God says, I'm going to bring a vindication. I'm going to bring my own justice on this situation. So 
You see these uh, similar examples in the supremacy of God's Son in Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, how God spoke in many times in the past, but now He speaks to us today in Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. Uh, you see that God spoke to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3. You see that God called Samuel in 1 Samuel 3. Remember when it was nighttime and Samuel was in his bed and he heard, Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and ran in there. But it wasn't Eli. Eli wasn't calling. He's go back to bed. Right? And he's, he's, he's like, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, goes in there. Eli says, what? I'm not calling you. Go back to bed. And Samuel finally comes in there and he finds out, well, it was the Lord that was calling him. And the Lord spoke to Samuel, right? So God may cause or allow these things in, in the world, but he's always wanting us to listen to him. And spiritual growth and salvation and transformation don't happen automatically. We have to be in the spirit and the word. We have to be willing to listen to God, right? We have to listen to what he's telling us. And there's so many, so many things in life that will come our way. Relationships, careers, callings, um, problems, successes. All these things can come in your life. But we have to be willing to listen to God as he walks with us through those things and how he's guiding us. Going to heaven is not automatic. It's not automatic. You have to choose to follow God, to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So I want to encourage you that God is always with us in good times and the bad. His voice is always there, His Spirit by His Spirit in the Word. And people say, well, I've never seen God. Well, God speaks to our hearts through our conscience and through His Word. And as the Catechism says, the Westminster Confession, God is the Spirit. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Okay, He, he is a Spirit, but He's also uh, Father and Son. God is a Spirit. Just because we don't see Him doesn't mean He's not there. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And He's always speaking to our hearts. So we think about and one in the, in the theme of the basketball, uh, the idea of and one. That you're playing basketball, you notice others, and they go competition against each other. They make a shot. They say, and one. I got and one on you. I got and one on you. And you see all the clothing at Walmart. And you think about this idea of and one. But think about it in terms of when you are with your family at a family reunion, when you're at the church and you're worshiping God, or when you're alone at home as a widow, as a widower, as a person that's feeling lonely, someone that's at the hospital and they need a visit, whatever it is. God is and one. He's always there. He's always there to encourage, to teach, to guide, and to heal us. And that's what I want to bring for you today. So this time of invitation, I want to open up in just a moment after I say a prayer. So if you're not a Christian, you don't know Jesus Christ in your heart, heaven is offered to you. God's presence is offered to you. He's always with us. He's the and one. Become a disciple. Become a follower of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross and died for our sins and He went to heaven one day to, so we can be there with Him as well one day. He made the way. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. He's the, he's the one true way. Maybe you are a Christian, but you need to come back to God, rededicate your life, and say, Lord, forgive me for straying away from You and wandering off. I want to rededicate my life and follow You. I rededicate my life in, in a later year of high school. I was saved as a young boy, but I rededicated my life in high school. 
God is good. He, he'll accept you to rededicate and, and choose to follow him. Maybe God wants to have you lead in a special service, whether it be a teacher or a pastor or missionary or, or go help your neighbor, visit someone in need. He's calling you to a special service, whatever service that is. Maybe you're going through an actual storm or a metaphorical storm, whatever kind of storm you're going through. Even a metaphorical storm, things we've been talking about, all the experiences and troubles in life. Um, God is always there, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. He may work in different ways. He may do different things at different times. We don't have ultra competitions today, but we still have the same God. Maybe we do have ultra competitions, but it looks different. So if God's calling you to a special service, and be willing to follow him that way. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us before we have our invitation. Father God, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you for your word that is full of grace and truth. And if anyone here is going through a storm in their life, a real storm or a metaphorical storm, whatever kind of storm it is, you're always there. You're the end one. So help them to lean on you and follow you and be encouraged and healed by your spirit whatever they're going through. Loving each and every one as my brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's somebody here who doesn't know Jesus, never accepted Him as their Lord and Savior, and needs to follow them today, help them to make that decision. Accept Jesus and have God in their hearts so He can always be with them. And also they have the promise of heaven. For those that refuse Your Word, God, refuse Your Savior, Lord Jesus, and are walking in danger and are at risk of eternity without You, Help them to be convicted and to come back to you and return to the word. Father, we just ask that you move in this time of invitation and work where it's needed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.